I'm excited to welcome back IWI as a sponsor of the Three Gun Show. Longtime listeners will remember IWI and the Three Gun Show's runs at Red October and Kalash Bash with their Galil Ace. Available in 545 x 39 762 x 39 and 5.56, the Galil Ace is an absolute dominator at AK matches. IWI has released a Gen 2 of the Ace with tons of upgrades featuring a free float M-Lock handguard, an updated trigger profile, shortened safety throw, and it now ships with a Magpul CTR stock with a little cheek riser in there so you can see through your scope. And now IWI has joined the AR-15 game as well. Their Zion 15 is available in both a 12.5 or 16-inch barrel with a 5.56 chamber, and it features a free float handguard in 11.5 or 15 inches, respectively. With a mid-length gas system and a 1.8 twist, the IWI checks all of the boxes at an incredibly low price. Whether you're looking for a bullpup, traditional rifle, or a pistol, IWI has several options to satisfy your needs. This episode of the Three Gun Show is sponsored by Isotune Sport. Isotune Sport makes advanced Bluetooth hearing protection for shooters. My hearing is very important to me for obvious reasons, and I absolutely love how quickly their tactical sound control reacts to cut out loud gunfire. One feature, though, that I never thought I would use on the range is Bluetooth technology, and I'm actually kind of loving it. Isotune Sport Ear Pro easily connects to my phone, and from there, I can listen to some Beastie Boys or Poison or even a podcast to get me in the zone while I'm setting up for practice or stirring a rifle, something like that. And if I'm caught by surprise by gunfire from the next bay over, I know that my hearing is safe. Lately, I've been rocking the wireless in-ear caliber model because they are lightweight, have a great uh, battery life, and won't get tangled in the buttstock of my long guns. You can check them out for yourself. I'll have a link in the show notes at 3gunshow.com. I'm pumped to be working with Isotune Sport, and I thank them for sponsoring the show. Welcome to the 3Gun Show. I'm your host, Dave Hartman. This short-form podcast is a departure from the weekly long-form interviews that we do here. This is meant to be a bite-sized send-off for the weekend where I answer your questions and talk about current events in the shooting space. If you get something useful from this show, pick up your phone right now and share it with a friend or on social media. As usual, show notes are at 3GunShow.com. While you're there, check out the Pro Shop for 3Gun Show apparel, coffee mugs, digital products, and a selection of scopes, red dots, and other shooting accessories. Thanks for tuning in. All right, here we go. All right, road trip, three gun questions, part 11D from our buddy Brian Duncan here. Well on his way to having a nickname here at this point. B. Dunka. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I, th- I think that's his uh, Instagram handle. But anyway, we're on our way back from uh, Jeff Kirkhall Memorial Three Gun. It is B. Dunka. Brian Duncan uh, sent us a bunch of... Uh, uh, questions here, and we're answering them as we uh, as we go along. And we've reached the uh, suppressor one. So, can three gun be suppressor friendly? Uh, and then in parentheses, he has shot timer, sensitivity, comma, etc. So, I got a, a few thoughts on this, and we did a little bit of research before we started here. But um, uh, I guess let's let's attack this one, Amax, from a way of thinking like, how can we? Um, 
uh, make three gun suppressor friendly. Um, and don't read that bumper sticker out loud because then we'll, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get kicked off the internet. Guy wants to free jailbirds, that's for sure. That's for sure. Okay, so uh, uh, the first one, you know, sensitivity. So we were talking about timers. And, uh, Amax, you brought up, like, well, what if we have a uh, um, remote timer like they did in 3-Gun Nation for the uh, Pro Series? Yeah. I thought that was a pretty good idea. So I kind of looked up uh, on the interwebs. And uh, turns out they make one of those big easy button things that is actually attached to a digital timer. And it does have, uh, looks like hours, minutes, no, no, has minutes, seconds, and then fractions of a second here, tenths. So first, for those not familiar with Three Gun Nation, because I think we are getting to the point where there are people in our sport who have not seen it. Uh, In Three Gun Nation, on the Pro Series, for the the made-for-TV format that they did, uh, what they would do is they essentially had what, like Dave said, they had a big easy button. So there was a start button and a stop button. And so when you would make ready, essentially they would say, are you ready, stand by, and then it was on you to push the button and start. So you would push the button and start, do all the shooting, and then you would end up at a place and you had to hit another button to stop your time. Um, and that was, you know, adding a little bit of drama for the TV and whatnot. But it also added a bit of a, it was a bit of a, a mental challenge. And, like, there's a little bit of strategy around, like, all right, do you do you hit the button hard or do you just press it and push off? And, like, there there were thoughts and strategies and people talked about how to go about pushing, really? pushing the button. Like, it's pushing a button, you know, but there there were thoughts. Those dudes take everything so serious. And that was that show was all about, like, fractions of a second. So it oh, yeah. makes sense, right? Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Well, but that's what Dave's talking about is essentially instead of uh, a timer that has a tone and then goes off your last shot time, yep. you had to stop your time yourself, yep. essentially. Yeah, so obviously that completely changes the way that we time uh, the sport, but we didn't always have shot timers. Uh, they used to work off of two dudes slamming aluminum rods together and or I guess one dude slammed aluminum rods together and two other guys had stopwatches and then they took the average of the two stopwatches. Like, that's how it initially started. So uh, so that's... that's I just, didn't know that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I swear I read that in uh, um, Brian Eno's book or mm-hmm. maybe that was an Eno's-ism from the, the web or something, but mm-hmm. I swear I got that from Brian Eno's. Well, and here's the other thing, too. Uh PCC is basically shooting suppressors, so like mm. we're already like kind of going about this. Well, I was just going know? on the technology side that yeah. technology can evolve. Yes, is, is basically the point yes. I was making there. Uh, but you're correct on PCC. Like a 16-inch PCC is remarkably quiet. It's a great thing to teach new people on. Um, and but it doesn't have that concussion that yes. that the timer goes off of. That's yep. where like the RO has to actually hold it really close to your gun because there yep. isn't much concussion for it to go off of, yep. which is the same challenge that you have with a suppressor. But how much of that you have with a suppressor is varies quite a bit, and a lot of common suppressors still kick out enough of a, a pop that it would it would hit a timer held yep. in the right spot. So while we were driving here uh, in preparation for this question, I looked up um, like a you know timer activated by a button, and uh, we found one. Um, 
and then we found another one where there's a green button that starts the timer and a red button that stops it. So you can have a start position and an ending position on a stage, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it has a remote LED readout that can be elsewhere, which is pretty cool, actually. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and bookmark that. And it's uh, it's 110 bucks, which is about the price of a timer. Yeah. And so normally it's like 50 bucks. Yeah. So... In that case, I think that that could be a solution for it. Um, you would probably get some pushback from, uh, uh, I guess, experienced shooters, people who had been there f- for a while. And then uh, I don't know what the reliability of those things are, but you know that can be uh, figured out later. So mm-hmm. that's one of the solutions, right, is picking up the, uh, the suppressed shot on the uh, on the last round is difficult with a timer. You have to put it usually by the ejection port so you catch the uh, uh, bolt operating, and that seems to work. But you have to be also be pretty darn close to the shooter, so you have to be know when he's going to be finished shooting, and you have to know uh, where he's going to be, stuff like that, and make sure that he doesn't come back for target so you bump into him. So th- that does present some issues that I think can be overcome. Now, you brought up one earlier, Adam, when we were discussing this, that I think is uh, is very important, and it's the reason you don't shoot suppressed in matches anymore. Um, anymore, and I think we I think we can figure out a solution for that one too. Yeah. So one of the big things I noticed when I shot suppressed in some matches was uh, is you you uh, melt things to your suppressors. So like suppressors are not cheap, and they're registered, so you can't like trade them in or whatnot. So you're you're kind of they're kind of uh, delicate, not delicate, but uh, treasured Pre- items. Precious. They're precious items. And so, like, I shot one at a at a match where you got, you got either dump boxes that are made out of uh, combustible material, i.e. wood. Wood. Or meltable material, i.e. plastic and carpet. And if they're wood, they're usually painted. painted. Yeah. So paint will stick to your suppressor. Yeah. So you're, you're carpet melting. Carpet will stick to your suppressor yeah, and it smells bad. Yep. You're melting crap to your suppressor or whatnot and you'll be like and, and you know what even you know suppressor guy out there is like well i'll be careful you know i know that uh, guess what the people who are unloading your gun or you know like uh you know clearing your gun they don't care they just throw that thing you yeah. know they're the ones that melt stuff to your and also in the heat of the moment you may not pay attention to that oh exactly so it happens um but that's that was one of the things is like it uh it melts and melts things. Things melt to it. Uh, start stuff on fire. Potentially, I've heard stories of suppressors starting dump boxes on fire. Nice. I feel like there's more to that story than uh, than yeah. meets the eye. Um, but uh, that's the other thing too is they get really hot, and uh, and that has has uh, consequences. Um, but there's a lot of um, benefits to suppressors, like specifically that you're not. Getting catching a concussion blast in the face when the shooter turns sideways if you're on the timer yep. or if you're watching or something. Yep. So you'll also hear a lot more feedback from the target. Yeah, if you're listening for hits on targets yep. and stuff. And so I think it is probably worth pursuing to figure out a way we can use them. Oh yeah, for sure. So with what you're talking about there, Amax, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are um, like Kevlar. Uh, blankets that could be used yep toss one of those in the bottom of a barrel or in the bottom of a box or something like that Mm -hmm. and maybe you know um obviously the a lot of matches especially club matches are run on like a shoestring budget so 
Um, maybe you just let the uh, the people shooting suppressors know, like, hey, bring a uh, Kevlar blanket or whatever mm -hmm. if, if you don't want to uh, destroy our bucket and pay for it or if you don't want plastic on your suppressor. Yeah. No no perfect answers yet, but just kind of thinking outside the box on some of this stuff to yeah. open it. Um, the other thing, too, like, I, uh, I actually do bring suppressors to some matches, especially matches that are notorious for making you shoot out of a tube. Oh, right. Uh, so I will, on a stage, throw on a suppressor, being cognizant of my shift. Po yeah, point of impact my shift. My point of impact shift, which is not much, but I'm aware of it. Um, but, like, if I know matches are going to have uh, uh, shooting out of a tube, <coughs> PCSL, um, <laughs> I I'll, I'll bring I'll bring a, uh, a K-can for sure. Like, I'm not trying to... I'm not trying to uh, be cool guy quiet. I'm just trying to, like, limit that concussion so I can stay in the moment and stay yeah. focused. Because some, some of those confined spaces that, I mean, the reason they put you in a confined space is to kind of disorient you. So the more, the more you can combat that by using a suppressor, I do. So for stages, I will actually bring and, and use suppressors. Yeah, uh, back when I started shooting... Um is a uh, Colorado multi-gun that was at uh, Weld County Fish and Wildlife. There was a match director that liked to uh, make you shoot through barrels um, because Bonk. he was a tack guy, and he wanted to prove that shooting it tactical was uh, superior over shooting it uh, gamey. And so he intentionally tried to damage the hearing of all the competitors just to prove a point, which is hilarious. And it tells you about a lot about who he was as a person. Well, I love that a lot of those guys there, a lot of people like that generally don't think outside the box as much as a gamer. So they're like, oh, I'll show the gamers. And then the gamers like, I have a suppressor. Them. <laughs> ha, check out my suppressor. <laughs> oh, and it detaches too. No. <laughs> you know, like, no. Look at the tactical games, how the tactical games started, you know, how much it's evolved in the yeah, short time that yeah, it's been sure. like, oh, no, the gamers can't do this. Gamers can't do that. Well, show me the rule. Show me the rules, and I'll find out. I'll tell you how I want to do it. Yeah. So that's what I think about uh, suppressors. I think there are ways to accommodate it, and uh, any more, um, I guess, common use or op opportunities to use suppressors common in common use um, or make suppressors in common use is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'd also and say that... Uh, um, Probably doesn't mind me saying this, but uh, since he let me video it, but uh, Brian brought out a couple suppressors to the uh, match, and it was really cool that my uh, brother, who's not really a shooter but is a lover of all things fun, uh, got to shoot his first suppressed guns, and those were Brian's. So yep. thanks, Bri Brian, for uh, making that opportunity. Oh, and I've used them at night too, uh, trying to. Oh right, trying I forgot to about that. Quelch flash. Yeah, can you uh, elaborate on that one? Yeah, so like if uh, a lot of a lot of the barrel lengths we use and muzzle brakes we use generate a lot of muzzle flash, especially at night. So on the matches that have known night elements to them, I have brought suppressors in the past uh, combating flash nice. so that so that uh, I don't get the big fireball. Again, shooting a visual sport, trying to minimize the number of visual distractions when we're already adding a white light and all the smoke and everything uh, that... Uh, I use it as a more of a flash mitigation thing than than anything. Yeah, which is another benefit of uh, a suppressor. 
for yep. sure. But along the lines of like the red dots on pistols thing, there is a very large contingent of the shooting community that wants to shoot carbines with suppressors. So yeah. uh, to accommodate those people into our sport or to attract those people into our sport, accommodating the kinds of guns they want to shoot is a, is a natural progression. Yeah, I guess we've only really talked about one gun here. Do you see opportunities for shotgun and pistol on this? I don't know that the shotgun suppressors haven't evolved enough to uh, be viable. I think the one that's on the market, the ones that that's on the market, I wouldn't want to use in a competitive environment. Is it because it's too big? It's big. It's bulky. I think it's kind of fragile. Oh. Like I would worry about crushing it. Honestly, oh. being mean to it. That's not um, nice. And then uh, what about that changing, one in uh, No Country for Old Men? Well, that's not real. <laughs> oh. Um, but uh, changing chokes is also a problem, too, because the suppressor is, is attached to uh, the mount, and the mount has the choke on it. Right. So it's, it's more involved to, to change chokes throughout the – well, for most – for most of you listening, you don't change your chokes anyway, so I guess that wouldn't really be yeah, a big deal for most of you. But Totally fine. Yeah. I see is fine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then for pistol, obviously, that creates a holster problem. Yeah, and the form factor probably sucks. Like, I don't know anybody that's really shooting six-inch guns anymore, and uh, this would be a lot longer than that. So a little bit of a form factor. Although that Silencer Co. one would be cool. Which one's that? You know that integrated pistol that they make? Oh, the... Uh, the uh, uh, no, it's geez. not the Osprey. Um, no, no, no. It's named after the guy who invented it. Everybody's yelling off their radio right now. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a Star Wars blaster. Amex. The guy who invented the suppressor. Maxim. Maxim. Oh, yes, yes, the Maxim. Yes. There we go. Uh, that pistol, you know, something like that has a lot more legs than... Uh, Threading, threading a suppressor on your conventional Browning style pistol, that's for sure. Want me to answer your question? Or maybe this podcast left you with more questions than you started with? Go ahead, email me, dave at 3gunshow.com, and you might be featured in a future episode. The 3 Gun Show is proud to be a part of the Firearms Radio Network. Thanks for listening to the 3 Gun Show. We'll see you on the range. <laughs>